And so I want to talk this morning uh, from the subject, Challenged by the Faith of a Stranger. As I said last week, Brother Hamilton dealt with verse number six, and uh, he talked about verse five, where it talks about Enoch and set up verse number six. But if you go back to Hebrews 10, uh, the Hebrew writer is setting up Hebrews 11. In verse 35, he says, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward, for you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise, for yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and he will not tarry. He says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in them, for we are not of them that draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe, get this now, to the saving of the soul. And then your preacher picked up last week with Hebrews 11, he says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the world was framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made by the things which shall appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, and by the which obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts by him being dead, yet he speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated, and he was not found, for God had translated him. But before his translation, he held this testimony that he pleased God. And then the preacher jumped on verse 6 and worked it last week. He says, he says over that, for without faith, it is impossible to please him. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a reward of them that diligently seek him. That's what I needed last week. You work that thing, seek him. You got to seek him. That ought to be paramount in your life. You ought to be looking for God. And I'm here to tell you, church, yes, we have a lot of issues in this country and in this world, but ultimately man needs to be seeking God. I watch the protests on, on the television, and I'm all for protesting because sometimes you got to do stuff to get folks' attention, make them listen to you. You tried everything else, but protesting ain't new. James and John, way back in the Bible days, when Jesus wanted to go into a city, they ran him out of the city. James and John said, Lord, let's just rain down fire and burn these folk up. That was protest. That ain't nothing new. But listen, church, we need to go back to seeking God and walking by faith. Now, y'all stay with me this morning. I, I've been preaching for 41 years now, and after my folks have died, and after I've been dealing with all of this pandemic and this, I, I'm just in a different place right now. I'm still following the Lord. I'm still walking in the path of Jesus. I'm still, I still love to preach, but I'm just, I'm in a different place now, and I'm trying to be relevant, and I'm trying to reach somebody in the pew who's going to leave here today with decisions to make. And I want you to find your place in this text this morning. Actually, there are two texts I'm going to share with you. But I want you to keep in mind, we are challenged by the faith of a stranger. Listen to Matthew, the 8th chapter, verse number 5. I'm going to read down to verse 13. Then, if time permits, we'll get to that second, second one. 
Matthew 5, and when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, do you stand up here for the reading? Be so kind, if you'd be so kind. When you found it, say amen. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. Is that in your Bible? Verse 8, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldst come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and to another come, and he cometh, and to my servant do this, and he doeth it. Verse 10, when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom, uh, in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee and his servant was healed in the self-same hour. You may be seated. Challenged by the faith of a stranger. This text speaks to me because here is a man who goes looking for Jesus. He's not a disciple. He's not a follower. He hadn't been with the crowds. But there is a need he can't meet. And so because he has a servant at home who is grievously tormented, who has palsy and is in excruciating pain, the centurion leaves his home, and we don't know exactly how far it was, but he goes and he finds where this man he's heard about called Jesus is. He finds him. He, the Bible uses a strong word here, says he comes beseeching him, so he's got to push his way through the crowd to get an audience with the Lord, and when he has his audience, he says to him, and listen to the, 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 the terminology here, he says, Master, my servant is at home. He, he cut through the small talk. Cut to the chase. He came for what he needed. Master, my servant is at home. I left him there in excruciating pain, We've tried everything, ain't nothing working, but I've heard some stuff about you. And, and because he has a need, I came me, I came looking for you. Can I preach up in here this morning? I came looking for you to see if you would heal my servant. 
And the Lord looks at him, and he already knew what he was going to do. He says, yes, I will come to where your servant is and heal him. And the centurion said, you have to understand, the centurion was a Gentile. He was, he was, he was, he was something between uh, a, a, a commission officer and a non-commissioned officer. He, he wasn't the top dog, but he wasn't on the bottom rung. In the, he, he was somewhere there in the middle. He's kind of like a, a sergeant major of today. And he, he came looking and he asked the Lord to come and heal his servant. The Lord said, I'll come. And he said, no, 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 wait a minute now. I, I'm, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof but I've heard enough about you that if you want to heal him who's at home you can literally speak and he'll be healed long distance y- y'all not following me on this the centurion is not a disciple. He's not a follower. He had been with the Lord, but he's heard enough. Now, there's several things I want you to draw from this, especially during the times in which we live. Somebody took the time to tell the centurion, there's a man around here who, who one night they were out on a boat and it was storming and they looked up and saw him walking on water. There's a man around here who went over to a, a man's daughter, a Jairus' daughter. She's been dead. He brought her back to life. There's a man around here who walked to the graveside of Lazarus and been, been dead four days, and all he did was stand on the outside and speak and say, Lazarus came forth, and a dead man got up in the grave. There's a man around here who took two fish and five loaves and opened a buffet out on a mountainside. There's a man around here who spit on the ground and put clay on a man's eyes. He was blind. He left blind. He came back seeing. There's a man around here. And so he went looking. Can I preach a minute this morning? He went looking for that man. And when he found that man, he says, I, I want to know, I want to know, can you do something for my servant? I can't do for him, but I know you are able, and I, 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 I can't let you in my house now. I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof, but I know enough about you. I've heard enough about you that if you speak the word, you can heal him long distance. Some of y'all ought to identify with that right now. We serve a God who heals long distance. When I look at J.K. Hamilton, I'm looking at a miracle right now. God is, he has healed him long. I was in Newark, New Jersey, in a meeting with Brother Lawton on the very day I heard a man was going to give you a kidney. I didn't even know the whole situation. But God was already at work. That was eight, nine, what, seven, eight, nine years ago? And look at you now. He heals long distance. And somebody else in here, you know he heals long distance. You had cancer four years ago. Doctors say you only got about six months. You sitting up in here right now. Don't tell me he doesn't heal long distance. You've got lupus or sickle cell or MS. You've got something that the doctors can't do nothing about, and you talk to the Lord, and now you're doing better because we serve a God who heals long distance. And so this man said, the centurion said, I know you're able. You can speak the word, and I know that if you just speak the word, you have both the power and 
the authority to heal my servants. See, that's the kind of stuff that makes me happy. I, I can't change what's going on right now, but I know somebody that can work long distance. I said, I know somebody that can work long distance. I, I don't know about you, but I know somebody who can help me when I can't do for myself. Right now, my heart is broken. And I know I keep hearing folks say, well, now you just need to go and get over that. No, no I ain't going to get over it. I was with them for 59 years. I missed both of them. My heart is broken, and I, I, I need somebody who can heal a broken heart, and that's what he's doing right now. I said, that's what he's doing right now. I heard Paul's story this morning. I already knew before he got up here. His heart was broken. Sister Stell gone. Kinfolk gone. That hurts. Somebody in here right now, you lost somebody that's dear to you. Your heart is broken, but we know somebody who heals from long distance. Am I right about it? And so he said to him, he said to him, he said, now I know, I know. See, I got a servant. I tell him, you, you do this, he does it. Uh, I tell this one, come here, he comes. I tell this one, go over there, he goes over there. I'm under somebody, he can tell me what to do. He said, I know about authority. And I know you have the authority to just speak the word and my servant will be healed. Just speak the word. And you know what, church, and I, I, I guess I'm just old-fashioned, I'm old school, but we have gotten away from preaching the power that is in Jesus. I'm telling you, church. We got to go back to what's right here in the book and share that with the masses. In our world right now, this world, this country, our government needs God. And I'm not talking about the way they see it. I'm talking about the way the book sees it. We got all our money in God we trust, but do we really trust him? We got folk in leadership who know nothing about God. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Taking pictures and things. Holding the Bible upside down. Ought to get in the Bible. Find out what's in the Bible. Live and work by what's in the book. We have gotten away from it. We're all up in the air right now because we've never seen a pandemic before. But you know what? There are other things in this world just as damning and damaging as the pandemic. And you're struggling to live down here on this earth. You need to get yourself together for what's beyond here. Do y'all hear what I'm telling you this morning? That's why we who are preachers, we just got to keep on preaching. Because there's more than what's right here. He said, now, if you'll, if you'll come, if you'll come, if you'll just speak, speak the word. I know you can do it long distance. Jesus said, looked at him. Looked at his brethren. He said, I have not seen in all of Israel. Y'all were there when I fed the 5,000. Y'all were there when I changed water into wine. Y'all were there when I raised Jairus' daughter. Y'all were there when I made the lame man walk. Y'all were there. Y'all saw me, but I have not seen in all of Israel a faith as great as this. That's why I was so happy to hear about faith last week because, see, we, 
we've gotten away from, we, we think faith is something that is just kind of elementary and you just kind of, that, that's the hinge on which our doors swing. Are you following me? If you can, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by and not by sight. So many of us are trying to see our way, but when it comes to real living and pleasing God, it's done by faith. It's done by faith, and faith comes from the word believe. Belief is an Anglo-Saxon word which means to buy, live, or live by. And, and when you look at it deeper, it means to transfer trust. Transfer trust. Are, are you following me? We, we've all done that this morning. All of us have demonstrated faith this morning. You got in that car of yours, whether it was a Hoopty or a Maserati, and you trusted that it would get you to the church house. You, you got on the bus and you prayed. You, you trusted the bus driver wasn't drunk, so it gets you to the church house. We've all demonstrated You took pills this morning because you got high blood pressure. You got low sugar, you got all kind of stuff, and you take different pills for different things. Now, you don't know what's in the pill, but the bottle says take two of these three times a day, and this will fix what's going on inside of you. So you just trust what's in the pill, but you don't even realize God is the one that put the power in the pill. We've all demonstrated faith this morning. You walked in here this morning, and you sat right down in that chair. Hmm? Am I right, Henry? Right now, I want you to do something with it. Raise your right hand, both your hands. All of you in here. Who are able? Who are able? All right. If Sister Rufus can do it, all of us can do it. All right, all right. Now, with both hands up in the air, I want you to stick both feet up. JK, JK, look at you, man. Look at you, man. Okay, put them down. Now, I didn't see anybody in here looking around trying to see if, if, if this chair can hold me up. And y'all all know we have gained weight since we've been on lockdown. So, so, so don't, be, don't be looking around. Look at yourself. But you trusted that that chair was able to hold you up. You transferred all you had into that chair. You did exactly what I asked. You lifted both hands, lifted both feet, and you trusted that it had the power, the wherewithal to hold you up. Same thing with God. When you live by faith, you are transferring everything that's inside you and you're saying, Lord, I'm trusting you to hold me up. And there will be times when you'll feel lonely, he'll hold you up. There are times when you feel like you're all by yourself, he'll hold you up. There are times when you get frustrated, he'll hold you up. There are times when you think nobody cares what's going on in your world. He will hold you up, but you've got to transfer everything you got into him. Am I talking to somebody this morning? Transfer what you got into him. I was baptized at nine years old. Nine years old. Where's y'all pool? Where's y'all pool? Is it behind this thing? I was baptized at nine. My daddy baptized me at nine, December 1969, cold day. Water was cold. I remember daddy saying those words, taking me down. I don't know why he held me down so long, but he held me down there and pulled me up. And so when he brought me up, 
He took his physical hands off, and my Holy Father, my Heavenly Father, put his spiritual hands on me. And so from that point forward, I have been walking with God. And, and, and I said this during my eulogy for my daddy. I, I said, now, I, I leaned on daddy for a long time, but finally God came and got my earthly father. But my heavenly father stepped in, took over where my earthly father had moved out, and he is still holding me together. I couldn't stand before you this morning if I did not have my confidence and my trust in my heavenly father. I couldn't sing the songs. I couldn't get excited about all that. When he started with just God is real, that, that, yes, that's my testimony because I'm a living witness that he will pull you through in tough times. But here's the question. Why is it? I know this is going to hurt somebody's feelings, but why is it we who claim to have the truth? Huh? That being the church of Christ, going to glory. Come on now. Why is it we who know the Lord, look out and see our denominational friends who are on the right path, they just need some more teaching. Come on now. I know some folk that are morally good, morally upstanding, think and believe they're doing the right thing, and I've tried to work on them over the years because these people are sincere. But they challenge us today. We who are in Christ, under the law of grace, covered by his blood, in the house. Why is it? They, they demonstrate their faith more than we do. Soon as we get sick, we got to run down to Presbyterian. Run down to Methodist. Run down to Baptist Hospital. Where is the Church of Christ Hospital? Why is it when you want to go to school, only one or two schools among us that are supported by the Church of Christ? Why is it when you need a... And I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm just making this real for you. We are challenged by the faith of strangers because folk who really don't know him like they should according to the scripture are demonstrating more faith than we are. I hated it when they said, don't go to church. When they locked us down, shut us down. But I felt like the church was an essential thing. But what we know in churches of Christ is that the church is not the building. We are the church. Am I right about it? But then there are those of us who will get so bent out of shape, we'll forget that we are to be Christ-like even in the midst of a pandemic. There's several things I wanted you to get from this text because, uh, and it's a good text, I can't deal with all of it, but Somebody took the time to tell the centurion about Jesus. In the midst of a crisis, 
And here we are. We're quick to tell somebody, put on your mask, wash your hands, but will you tell them about Jesus? I'm not trying to make friends this morning. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to be real about this. You're more concerned about COVID and corona than you are Christ. We are challenged by the faith of strangers. You see folk on the street who are not members of the Church of Christ. You know where they go to church and you say, well, how you doing today? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. How'd you get here? Oh, I got here by the grace of God. But you ask us and we say, well, I caught one bus and I had to catch two trains and then I rode my bike the rest of the We are challenged by the faith of strangers. And when you talk about faith, faith is like, is like a rubber band. Rubber band does you no good unless you stress that thing. Am I right about it? And faith is not faith until it is put to the test. I thought about that the other day when they think about talking about all these testing and testing and testing and sticking that thing all the way up your nose. And I'm pretty sure eventually I'll have to go through it. But don't you realize God is testing us right now? He's testing the faithful to see where your heart is. He's testing the man or woman that does not know God and wonders if you will seek him because ain't nothing working down here for you. That's a test greater than the COVID test. And you need to pass the test so you can have a testimony. Am I right about it? And your testimony will be on Jesus who is the testator written in the New Testament. So this test ain't nothing new. It's nothing new. But let me hurry with this. Let me hurry with this. We're challenged by the faith of strangers. Somebody took the time to tell the centurion about Jesus. People will probably never come in this building, but they still need Jesus. So will you dedicate as much energy to sharing Jesus as you do everything else? Will you talk more about what's in this book than what's on Instagram, Facebook? What are the other social media things? Y'all know what I'm talking about. We challenge, we challenge. We spend a lot of time with this. But listen, as I go closer to where I want to be, this, this, this man, he said, I'm not worthy, but I know you have the power. And Jesus said, I've not seen so great a faith in all of Israel. Then here's the, the clincher. He says, go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. Watch this now. And his servant, who was not there, was healed in the self same hour. A man who was not even a follower. And really he was because he heard enough about him and he, he thought about what he had heard. He, uh, he went looking for Jesus. Now, I'm going to take you to another man here in a few minutes, but I want to ask you something before I go to that man. What, what, what's most important to you right now? It's 
seriously. I mean, you know, a lot of people have been out of shape because they can't come to church or been out of shape because y'all going back too soon. Don't you realize the Lord was demonstrating compassion? And if we're living in his image, we ought to be people of compassion. Come on, say that with me. Compassion. But they don't deserve, no, compassion is not for people who deserve it. Are you following me? If we're going to have changes in this world, folk may not come up in the Mount Vernon Church of Christ, but they ought to see the Lord living in Jesus. Ought to see something different there. And there are times when there needs to be compassion. Let me show you this other man real quick, and then I'm going to try to wrap this up. Uh, there's a man, and I'm not going to read it. You read it at your leisure. It's Luke chapter uh, 18, verse 35. There's a blind man. He's sitting by the road. Can't see. He hears some noise. People are talking, and they're excited. Uh, maybe even yelling, but he... He can't see, so he doesn't know what's going on. And so he asked somebody, hey, hey, somebody tell me, what's, what's all the excitement about? Somebody says, shh, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. When he hears that, he says, Jesus Thou, son of David, have mercy on me. The Lord is pushing through the crowd, but he hears that voice. Uh, you know, whenever you're looking for Jesus, the devil's going to always be around. Whenever you're trying to do the Lord's business, the devil is going to be around. That's where, that's where discouragement comes in. That's where frustration comes in. That's where loneliness comes in. There are times when you humanly feel like you're by yourself and you're, you're at wit's end and the devil wants to create doubt in your mind. He did it with Jesus in Matthew 4 when the Lord, when the Lord came up out of the waters of Jordan. After being baptized there, the Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Matthew 4, he's trying to create doubt in the mind of Jesus. You're the son of God. If you're the son of God. He knew he was the son of God. If you're the son of God, make these stones into bread. Am I right about it? That's the first thing he tries to do to draw you away from God. He wants to create doubt. I've been there. I've been there. I never thought about stopping preaching or stopping uh, being a Christian or not walking with the Lord, but there have been days when my friends, when my associates, when my acquaintances hurt me, broke my heart, did things that I felt like I did not deserve, and it was frustrating. It was discouraging. It made me want to just go on off by myself somewhere. I've been there. I've been there. And then after I thought 
I couldn't take no more. Then the Lord comes and takes my folks. And that's a whole new different kind of hurt. A different kind of ache. It's something you can't fix. Your wife, your husband, your, your mama, your, 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 nobody can fix it for you. And it's there and it's there every day. And you have to trust God to get through the day. You don't get over it. You just get through it. People get frustrated with you. They say, just let that go. No, you, you, you can't let it go because if you love them, it's going to hurt. I've been there. And, I, and never at no point did I ever say, God, why did you come and take my mother? Why did you come and take my dad? You knew they were God-fearing. You knew they brought us up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You knew they treated folk right. Why, Lord, would you come? I never questioned that. Because that's what the devil wanted. He wanted to create doubt in my mind. He wanted me to say, well, why would God do something like that? And see, that's what the devil does. He tries to create doubt through whatever your weakness is. I know y'all probably looking for me a different way, but I told you at the beginning, I'm in a different place right now. 41 years I've been preaching the gospel, and, you know, for the longest I've just tried to preach for reputation. J.K., I'm in the shadow of a great gospel preacher. It's hard to walk behind him, and, and uh, you know, I wanted to make sure I pleased God and, please my daddy and my mama and make sure everybody proud. I, I don't preach for reputation no more. I preach for inspiration, information, edification. I look over the audience, I see people who think, you know, they look at me like you ain't saying nothing to me. Well, I'm not talking to you. I, I'm talking to somebody who came to get a word to leave here better than when you walked in. And truth be told, many of us walked up in here, we came in with doubt on our mind. Yes, you're at church. Yes, you've been singing loud as everybody else, but there's some doubt there, and you are not as faithful as you ought to be. Here's a blind man. He can't walk and see all this stuff. He wasn't there. When the Lord walked on water, he wasn't at the wedding of Canaan when he charged, changed water into wine. He didn't see him raise Jairus' daughter or Lazarus. He's on the side of the road. He hears the name Jesus. He realizes if there's any time I'm going to get something, I better speak up right now. They say, shh, boy, hush. Be quiet. You're talking too much. He gets louder. And there are times, church, when you've got to spend time in prayer. And everybody ain't got to hear you praying. When you talk to God, in most cases, that all between you and him. Yes, we teach through prayer, but there are times when you want to talk to him, tell him stuff you can't tell everybody else. And you got to spend some time talking to him. You don't always have to be in your closet, in your private room. At times when I'm driving in, I got a little thing called a swamp buggy, Paul, and I drive through the pasture feeding cows and horses and things. There are times when I don't close my eyes, I'm right there looking ahead, but I'm talking to him. Yeah. You say, well, what did you, that, that ain't your business what I'm talking to him about. That's between me and him. But you got to spend some time in prayer. This boy, when he heard that Jesus was close, he started praying out loud, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He used what I call an ATM card. Come on, God. Oh, what's that? 
Anybody in here use ATM cards? Come on, don't play with it. I'm almost through. Anybody use ATM? I'm not talking about that plastic thing in your pocket. I'm talking about ATM, access to mercy. Access to mercy. He realized and he had heard enough about Jesus. Now, this is what you now to consider, and I guess I need to step back so I can socially distance myself. But listen, somebody took the time to tell him while he's sitting by the road, we saw a man who walked on water. We saw a man who took two fish and five loaves and opened up a buffet like you've never had before. We saw a man who raised a dead man back to life. We saw him, and so he's sitting there taking all this in, and when he hears that that man is coming by. Now, I said that to say this. You need to be telling somebody about this man. While you're talking about all this other stuff, tell them about Jesus. Tell them about the God that gets you through day in and day out. Share that with somebody. He heard the man was coming by. Jesus, thou son of David, he uses ATM cards. Access to mercy. He realized if he's going to have any opportunity, here it is. Took that opportunity. Jesus, watch this now, and I can't deal with the whole text, but he stopped. And Jesus commanded that they bring him. So somebody went and got him by the arm and said, man, Jesus won't talk to you. And you notice what the Lord did? He, he, heard, he knew the people were trying to hush him up. But he was compassionate enough to stop in the midst of that and say, bring him to me. And when he brought him, he said, son, what do you want? He said, that I might receive my sight. You know what I've learned about prayer? I get right to the point with God. I'm not trying to butter him up. He already knows what he done done. He already knows where he is. He knows what power he had. I'm trying to get to the point and say, Lord, look, this is what I am, where I am. This is what I need. And I, I know you're able. And Lord, just help me have the right spirit, the right mind. Yeah, strengthen me, Lord, because I, I'm, not, I'm not where I need to be right now. I know only, only you can pull this out of me. So I, I get right to the point, and I spend time with him, and I pray to him. I'm so glad I can talk to him whenever I'm ready because I don't want to go sit in the box. I don't want to wait for the brethren to gather on Wednesday night or Sunday morning. I can do it sometime after I've had a bad dream. Open my eyes, realize it's a bad dream, close them right back again. Talk to him. This boy said to him, he said, listen, all I want is to receive my sight. He knew enough about Jesus. He hadn't seen because we walk by faith, not by sight. He hadn't seen it, but he knew enough. Somebody was compassionate enough to share with him what they saw him do. And when he heard that the man was there, he said, I just want, I, I know you're able. I know you have the power. I, I want to receive my sight. The Lord said, receive thy sight. Thy faith hath saved thee. 
what you believe about me has caused you to be blessed today. Receive that. And you know, church, really, I, I'm going to be honest with you. The gospel is just that simple. But you got to be willing to believe in the power of Jesus. If you could make it without it, why, why wouldn't you move along? Huh? That's why I love Hebrews 13, 6. The Lord is my helper. If I could do it by myself, what in the world would I need the Lord for? If I could save myself, I, you if you could save yourself, you could have saved the Lord a trip. You'll get that one on the way home. He wouldn't have had to come down here. If you could save yourself. Okay, I should have been through. I forgot what time I started. But listen, church, we're challenged by the faith of strangers. And I, I say this in a loving and kind way because we're living in a day now that we've never seen before. None of us has the answers. All of us have issues. Hello. I have just as much issue with the man that's in the White House, but he has issues too. I have issues, you have issues. Everybody's got issues. And what's most important is we need to work on our relationship with the Lord. Demonstrate your faith. Now, as I close this message, I, I get excited because, see, my faith is in him because I heard he was born of a virgin. Ain't never heard that before. I heard that at 12 years old, they, they caught him in the church house. His mother said, why have you done us like this? He said, I must be about my father's business. I heard that when he, he got to 30-something years old, he, he handpicked some men and began to disciple them, and they saw him do miracles, proving that he was God. I, I put my faith in what's in this book. The book says that he did miracles to prove that he was God. I also read that even as God, he went to a cross. And on that cross, they nailed him to that cross. Nails in his hands, nails in his feet. His head is stretched toward heaven. His feet are stretched toward the earth. Right hand to connect God to man. Left hand to connect man back to God. He hangs there on that cross. He could have come down, but he went on and died on that cross. And not only did he die, but they had beaten him with many stripes. He suffered so that whenever I come to something, I think nobody don't understand. I know he understands. Hebrew writer said in Hebrews 4 and verse 15, we have not a high priest can not be touched by the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He has gone through whatever you and I might go through. I used to wonder why would they have to whip him so then they know they're going to hang him on the cross, but he had to do that so you and I could say, Lord, do you identify with what I'm going through? Isaiah said he was going to go through it because I read back there in Isaiah 53, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. 
I write about it. So now he hangs on the cross with the power to come down, but he stays right there. And I found it very ironic, Brother Hamilton, that Jesus, being a carpenter by occupation, he could take that cross. I'm almost through. Y'all stay with me. He he could take that cross, two pieces of wood, and metaphorically, he could turn it into a ladder on which to climb toward glory. I find it very interesting that he, being a carpenter by occupation, could take that cross, two pieces of wood, and and he could turn it into an altar on which to be the ultimate sacrifice. I I find it very strange that the carpenter, he could take that cross, two pieces of wood, and metaphorically he could turn it into a wagon to bear all of our sins and our burden. Go ahead and preach, Jack, all right? I find it very ironic that he could take that cross, those two pieces of wood, and he could turn it into a throne on which to set rain and rule. He died on that cross. And I believe that. Somebody said, were you there? No, I didn't see it. I read it in this book called the Bible. And my faith is in God's word as opposed to man's word. He died, they buried him, resurrected him. He went on back to glory. I believe it. I believe it. Somebody said, did you see it? No, I didn't see it. I'm living by faith. And I trust that he is coming back one day because I heard him say, I'll be back. I'll be back. I'll be back. It might be in the middle of the pandemic. I'll be back. Pandemic is bad, but this ain't the worst thing. That's other stuff that can come on us where we couldn't even go outdoors. There were times when stuff was really bad. Folk were talking about putting anthrax in the air, in the water, opening your mail and dust come out and kill folk on the spot. This ain't nothing new. It's bad, but it ain't new. I'm trying to help somebody this morning because we're looking at this thing the wrong way. You're trying to put your faith in all this other stuff. You better ultimately put your faith in God and let him order your steps. And I'm not saying don't take precautions and don't wear masks and wash your hands and get sanitizer and stay six feet away, all that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying get priorities straight. Social distancing. I understand that. And God understands it. He said, yeah, y'all stay six feet apart, but God says, you need to draw nigh unto me. I'll draw nigh unto you. Am I right about it? And so this morning, we are challenged by the faith of strangers. And I'm prayerful that you, this will give you something to think about and something to pray on. I, I, I refuse to live in fear. I'm not going to do it. I don't care what anybody says. I'm not going to live in fear. Got security on my home. Got a gun in case somebody want to break in. I can't stop them from breaking in, but I can make them break out. I can make them break out. Somebody says, you, you're a Christian? Yeah, but you, I didn't invite you in here. 
I got my woman over here, my grandbabies over here. You coming in uninvited? I will not, I will not live in fear. Somebody said, you got a gun, you must fear something. No, no, I'm trying to help somebody keep from hurting themselves. I'm not going to live in fear. And each person has to decide for themselves how you're going to walk. And each person needs to realize that nobody, no one person has all the answers. We all in this thing together trying to figure out how to make it. And we as preachers try to share with those who are in the pew what God would have them to know. Amen? I don't know if you got the gas you need this morning, Doc, but I'm going to tell this church, you got a great preacher here with a great wife, great family. I, I, I'm blessed to travel. We're blessed to travel all over the place, but you have got some jewels here, and you need to take care of your preacher and the wife and the children. They shouldn't have, and he didn't tell me to say this because I'm older than him. He couldn't tell me not to say it. I, I'm here to tell you, take care of your family, your first family here. You see them from a distance, getting a little weary, a little weak, and both of them involved in ministry. Both of them involved in ministry. Both of them influential. Y'all, I know you know this, but this man is one of the most sought-after preachers in the brotherhood, but he spends more time trying to preach to and pastor this church. Take care of him. Take care of him. He ain't on the run looking for this and looking for that. Take care of him. Yes, Take care of him. They shouldn't have to ask for things. Come to him. Just come to him. Y'all, y'all tired? Y'all need something? Why don't y'all run off for a week? Yeah. Yeah. Let me stop before I get in trouble with him. He won't invite me back. But listen, I want you to understand that it's a blessing to have people who love you so much that they give all that they got. And I saw that with my mother and father. Jake, they, they literally gave everything they had yeah. to the school, to the church, to the brotherhood, to people. I mean, just warm out. And after they could do no more, God said, come on. Sorry, come on. And real ministers and their wives give all they got because they know the reward at the end for those who will listen. So this morning we're challenged and I'm prayerful that we will each one do our best to demonstrate more effectively the faith we say we have in Almighty God. Look, the things are not going to change. They may get worse before they get better. But God has fixed it so that each one of us can providentially have what we need to make it from one day to the next. I thought I was going to lose my mind. They said shelter in place. Yeah. Yeah. I only I stay at home just to sleep and to, 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 to eat with my wife and, and we have somewhere to keep our clothes and stuff. I don't want to stay in the house all day. Yeah, <laughs> I thought I was going to lose my mind, Carol. Yeah. I said, no, no. 
And they said, no, you stay home. Don't go nowhere. Thank God he had just blessed us to move out to a place. We got 40 some acres. I said, that's all right. I'll just hang out out here. Won't let nobody come out of here either. Y'all just stay away from me. Shelter in place. But you don't know what's going to come next. Somebody said, well, we open too soon. We might have to go back to, yeah, we might. But I have put my faith in God. Whatever comes up, I'm going to ask him, talk to him first. And I'm going to act accordingly. And I think really God sent me just providentially to say some things that you've probably been thinking about. You know, a lot of times when we are younger preachers, we want to just impress the crowd. We want to make sure they walk away and say, oh, he preached this morning. What did he preach about? I don't know, but it sure sounds good. I'm not concerned about that. I want, I want you to leave here this morning uh, considering how God sees you. Your walk of faith with him, is it really sincere? And if you're really going by the book, you're doing it the way he wants you to do it. Uh, what y'all going to sing, Paul? What you got? Just look past me. I know you can. We covered a lot of ground together. Stand on your feet right now. If there's somebody here this morning and you need prayers of the righteous, there's somebody here you need to ask forgiveness of sin, there's somebody here that wants to put the Lord on in baptism, simple plan, hear the word, believe it, repent of your sins, confess Christ to be the Son of God and the Lord of your life, and we'll baptize you in water, and you will leave here today walking by faith. You'll leave here with an opportunity to demonstrate your faith, and you'll leave here with God looking at you. Come to him right now together with you.